Okay, if you're listening, this is Bike Talk, and this is Nick Richard. We're here on today, uh, is the 12th of June, and there's stuff going on. There's stuff with the Critical Mass Ride. There's stuff with the World Naked Bike Ride here in Los Angeles. Um, Bicycle Kitchen is having a concert tonight, so there's a lot going on, and we're going to have interviews with TJ from Orange 20. And Molly from the Bicycle Kitchen is calling in. Glenn Bailey from the LABAC is calling in. And we're hoping to get somebody from the World Naked Bike Ride, so stay tuned. Now, there's a job I'd like to have that oh, yeah. you can never be. To be 42, a chrome frame, and be a bicycle seat. Life would be all so sweet if I was a bicycle seat. Ride, ride, little cheek. Sit on me, I'm a bicycle seat. No more hustle, no more deals. No more trying to sneak those bills. No more cruising on cosmic raps. No more standing for the little lies. No more hacking at little bums. No more chasing after mums. No more would you like to dance. No more I just need the chance. Everything I really need is riding round upon a seat. No more to go to waste with you pressed against my face. Life would be oh so sweet if I was a bicycle seat. Ride, ride, little cheek. Sit on me, I'm a bicycle seat. Hello, I'm calling about the World Naked Bike Ride. Hi, yeah, thank you so much for calling in. So it's uh, today in Los Angeles, correct? That's right. Um, it's uh, kicking off with a pre-ride at 1 p.m. in the Echo Park area, and uh, the ride will be departing at 4. Okay, so the, the Echo Park area. So you're, are you announcing the address? Uh... No, we are not. Uh, okay. This is not a permitted ride or parade. Um, this is more of an international protest ride that is uh, protesting oil dependency and body shame is out there to advocate or celebrate cyclist rights and hopefully incur some kind of change to make the city a bit more bike friendly. Okay, so is this this is not the is this the first World Naked Bike Ride in Los Angeles? Well it's uh it's kinda harder to find. Uh World Naked Bike Ride is I I guess you could say an international ride that goes on in about twenty nine different countries, a hundred different major cities, and it's been going on for about the past six years. I think the last one that was close to Los Angeles was in Ojai, and that was a couple of years ago, and um, it wasn't greatly received. I wasn't on that ride, but I've heard um, that the community and the police did not get behind it very much, and for some reason, no one has ever uh, taken it upon themselves to get one going in uh, metropolitan Los Angeles before. So, yes, this is the first in... Uh, in kind of your central L.A. in over the past five years. And how many people are you expecting? You know, it's anyone's guess at this point. Um, I'd say conservatively maybe 150, 200. It could very well be as many as four or 500. It's, there's really no way to tell um, who all is going to show up to this. We've got a lot of different uh, different places for information. Facebook, um, we did some some recruiting out on the art walk. I think there's some posts on Burning Man sites and, um, like, different cyclist sites. And uh, whoever actually comes out to that, who we send the info to, is um, it's really kind of showing if you got them kind of thing, uh, who's actually going to go for it. So what's it like on a, on a naked bike ride? I, I can't tell you. Uh, this is going to be my first naked bike ride as well. Uh, well, how did you get involved? 
I got involved um, at the request of some artists and musicians from Cal Arts. Uh, they had brought the ride to my attention and uh, said they wanted to get one going. I'm an avid cyclist here in L.A. I've been commuting to work, I think, for about the past seven years. And um, yeah, I just always thought that this is the perfect city for, for bicycles, what have you, and always been interested in kind of spreading awareness of that and getting more people into the bike movement, which is really huge here, by the way. There's so many different cyclist groups, what have you. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I uh, helped them get organized and just get the word out and create enough confidence in the event that people are going to show and have a good time. Have you done other group rides? Yes, I have. Um, a lot of midnight rider stuff. Uh, there's a group out on the west side called Family, F-M-L-Y, that has a monthly ride. Um, there are so many of those now. Uh, if you were to go to midnightriders.com, I mean, there are probably a couple of rides a week that you can get in on, um, all different styles, you know, fast or just more of a friendly thing or uh, distance, what have you. Um, some of them are incorporated with local music or just other uh, local stops along the way. Some are just to kind of race and see who can get around, uh, you know, 30 or 50 miles the fastest. Well, cool. Now, how, how if a lot of the listeners are going to be listening to this on podcast and they're going to be saying, well, darn it, I missed it, but I guess they couldn't have really known where it was anyway unless they knew somebody, right? Yeah, they would have to um, RSVP on our Facebook or email us directly. And, uh, you know, we're just taking precautions. Um, and if you, any, any of the cyclists know, there's been a lot of friction with LAPD lately. And I mean, shoot, over the past two years, there's been a lot of, a lot of incidents that raise a lot of questions as to exactly how bike friendly, uh, the city is. Um, I think it's definitely changing for the better, but, Right now, we just didn't want to take any chances with, um, you know, immediate interference or inter- interception along our route. Um, okay, well, uh, so now, if anybody wants to get in touch with the organization, it's uh, worldnakedbikeride.org? I believe it's uh, .org, um, and that is, it's a great central site. I mean, their, their whole maxim is, you know, there's, there's no central organizer for any city. You don't need to register. This is, this is an act. Each city takes it by itself, so it's not as if they're out recruiting cities to ride, but they definitely provide great information. Um, they have done us a great service by forwarding us emails of anyone who is interested in an L.A. ride, and we've been able to get information out of people that way. Um, yeah, uh, worldnakedbikeride.org, and they also have a Wikipedia site, which is interactive and has different information for different cities. Okay, cool. Well, have a great time. I'm, you know, I, I wish I could uh, be out there. But, yeah, I mean, if you if you want to cover the event, you should come out. Um, huh. You know, the free ride or the ride. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for calling in, and uh, call us call us next Saturday and tell us how it went. <laughs> if I'm not in jail, I'll give you a call. All right. All right. Great. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Hi, Tom. Hey, is this Nick? Yeah. Hey, Nick, it's TJ from Hey, TJ, how are you? Hey, good. Um, so, thanks for calling in. Yeah. And, uh, well, so let's start off by saying uh, who you are and what you do for a living. Uh, super. My name is TJ Flexer. I'm the uh, CEO of Orange 20 Bikes in Los Angeles. Um, we just recently turned four years old. We're a shop that's located at 4351 Melrose Avenue. Um, not the uh, Beverly Hills part of Melrose, but the uh, one closer to Vermont. And um, anyways, are we on yeah. the uh, are yeah, we on we're on. Happy birthday. Cool. Hey, thanks. Um, so you're you're now the the sole owner, right? Ah, uh, that's true. Well, you, you know, until we tentatively play out the next two or three years in the process of you know uh, getting Jim C set up in Santa Barbara. So. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. So you're involved in that in that process? Uh yeah, it's a separate business thing. But uh, we should also give uh, Jim a uh, big congratulations if he hasn't been on the show already today. He uh, just had his baby. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim, so Jim C, in case anybody doesn't know, is the was the host, the co-host of uh, Bike Talk for the first year and a half. The former CEO of Orange Twenty for the first, I'd say, three and a half years. And you guys started it together. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he was the CEO, I was the CFO, and um, you know we've uh, found a way to uh, part ways amicably. And he's in Santa Barbara. His shop looks great. Um, uh-huh. I've been too busy to go visit but a lot of my staff is taking rides up there um i think some of them even cycled up uh to santa barbara from here um but yeah. uh yeah it looks great i know it's like his vision and it's uh how's it different from from orange 20 oh i don't know like i said i haven't been there myself personally i could probably point out more similarities than differences really but uh he uh he is kind of carrying the uh, uh i'd say the the majority of the uh, frames that are, you know, for a slightly higher marketplace, um, you know, we've, uh, people have a misconception of what bike parts cost in general, and, you know, they uh, don't associate uh, uh, quality with price, and sometimes for kind of good reason, but, uh, you know, there's just certain bikes that, uh, you know, somebody really wants a bike that's better than anything else, and they want it to be lugged steel and from, you know, a certain welder in a certain part of Italy, and that's what they... Yeah, that's what you go to get. So he's doing the super high-end stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he's servicing everybody, and, you know, I bet he, you know, handles a couple of kids that walk in the door with their parents a few times a day as well. So, uh-huh. you know, um, yeah, I'd say that there's a lot of similarities between uh, our two shops. Uh, we've so, been, so what kind of shop is your shop? Uh, it's, um, you know, it's actually uh, quite well known for the fixed gear stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, like uh, the very opening days of our shop, uh me and Jim realized that that was going to be something that would, uh, you know, be a little bit different from what the other shops were offering. But we also wanted to be a full-service uh, bike shop, you know, just providing the bits and pieces that uh, people need because we were volunteers at the kitchen and it was, uh, you know, difficult to get small projects done without, you know, assistance of, you know, getting a, a couple of parts in from time to time. So, you know, we're an all-around shop. We're a full-service repair. Um, we're... Um, uh, a retail location. Uh, we've got about, uh, I think, ten something people on staff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you we got some service really... every kind of bike, you know, mountain bike, road bike. Uh, it's really, you know, um, but we're we're especially well known for the fixed gear stuff. And you, so you really started small, huh? 
Well, yeah, 300 square feet, if you could call it that, uh, I think was the square footage of our last place. Actually, it might have been a bit under that, so it was an understatement to say it was small. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting time and it was an interesting building and, uh, you know, we seized the opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, be right there on the block, you know, it's, uh, and it was, you know, the first shop was basically like, um, you know, if the uh, apartment building next to it was more estately, I'd say that our shop would have looked like where they would have stored their lawnmower. Right. Um, but, uh, shack. yeah, and we're in a building right next door, and, you know, we worked our, you know, asses off literally on just um, mind-boggling, like, uh, the amount of time we put in, to, in at that little place. And, you know, the whole time there was a guy at the furniture store next door to us that was, you know, uh, literally 10 times the square footage and, you know, literally right here on the block. So, you know, kind of set it as a aspiration that that one should be, you know, that should be where uh, our bike shop is. And we've been here for, I think in September, it'll be two years we've been at the new location. Mm-hmm. So how did you, you get that space? Oh, you know, just uh, community relations and talking with uh the the landlord and the previous tenant here and you know knowing that uh you know he was uh you know just not moving any couches and uh we could only fit uh 10 complete bikes at our in our bike shop so you know it was uh pretty inevitable and you know by the time i called the landlord they said uh, you know the guy hasn't paid rent in three months and uh he's being deported because of it uh back to korea so uh all of a sudden the place was available and um you know it's uh Wow. Yeah. Um, so how did uh, so you guys were just two cooks at the bike kitchen? Yep. With a dream. Uh, well, yeah. It's uh, it was actually uh, kind of Jim's uh, motto for he was uh, rather he was working on that as a uh, a plan, and uh, we had actually attempted to uh, start a bike shop about I'd say uh, one year, maybe close to one and a half years before we started Orange Twenty. Um, the plans were, you know always kind of there, you know, kind of begging for us to do it, and, uh, you know, we we definitely saw a, a need, you know, a, a true need, like, out of the community, or, you know, got so many people that uh, are the, the non-prototype of L.A. that, you know, that do not drive in cars and rely on their bikes, and because they rely on their bikes so much, it meant they couldn't trust or rely any of the other bike shops, uh, you know, to... Uh, keep them on their feet. You know, we hear it all the time that uh, somebody can't even leave their bike here for two hours uh, for, you know, a, a critical repair because they need that bike, you know. They need that bike so bad. And, you know, it's uh, kind of a, uh, yeah, it's a little bit difficult to, you know, prepare your mechanic schedule around that. But uh, we do keep it in mind. And, you know, that's kind of the, the point of it. We've, you know, since like I was saying, day one, it's, we're known for the fixed gear stuff, but it was like when we first opened shop, even, you know, not even officially, I think we still have like 26 by 1 and 3 eighths tires, uh, on, you know, on hand, ready for, you know, all the possibilities because, you know, working at the kitchen, well, you can, uh, you can learn a whole lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Especially a lot about bikes from 40 years ago and what's different about them now. <laughs> uh-huh. So did you did you see a need that wasn't being met by the bike kitchen that that could only be met by a more of a commercial place? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't really even say that uh, that the bike kitchen couldn't meet that need. But uh, I think that uh, 
you know, we, we uh, agreed, and I went into the bike shop, and me and Jim went into the bike shop uh, asking for and receiving the full blessing of the bicycle kitchen, and it was a very tight-knit staff uh, back in the day. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, the original and the old-timer uh, members, and, you know, um, we, got, uh, we got thumbs up from it, and, you know, it was... Um, almost a spur of the moment thing like i said it was like a year and a half that we had been you know almost throwing up a, a bike shop and uh you know just that that one week i think in august or something uh no june yeah it's june um that uh you know we, we just had the opportunity to get that little we call it the pantry now um i forget what we used to call Your it old space yeah the old shop so describe the the little neighborhood situation. You have the bike the bike kitchen on one side of the street, you're on the other. It's and uh do you think that it helps to generate more business for both because you're both there? Yeah, but it's uh you know, it's it's about business in a certain way, but uh you know, nobody really kinda goes into you know, doing this kind of stuff to to make a lot of money. It, any retail business is just you know, um just scraping by these days i can personally attest to that and anybody would think otherwise is just hasn't learned that yet uh there's no like way to play up like a business model with that's the reason that this was successful is because it was uh a a look into like what what people needed what we needed to do to achieve uh putting more bikes out on the road um you know, when people came to the kitchen, they could, you know, be satisfied and leave there knowing that they fixed something. And yes, you you uh, you have a lot of you know good people at the kitchen then and now. And I was, you know, um, I was a volunteer. I was working there a whole lot. And you know, in my opinion, which is uh, you know, I'd say a professional opinion at this point, uh, there's no safe way to go about trying to put a headset together from a drawer full of miscellaneous used crushed and non-matching parts you know um it's a small sacrifice you know for the earth to have a a a decent product manufactured and put a you know installed into a a bike correctly you know um uh you just can't uh uh, it's it's worth it to have uh some new parts especially when they're uh, critical uh, as, as that and as simple as something as a bike well, so tell me about your personal history with bikes, because I know that you have some, you you did some freestyle riding and... Did oh, yeah, well, that's a, that's still a daily occurrence if I get the time, uh, but uh, never any professional riding. I think I've seen people blog and say, I think he must have been a professional BMXer. That's never been the, the case. However, I have been privileged to know and still be very good friends with a lot of people that um, uh, just, you know, def- defy the laws of physics uh physically with their bicycles so um i've always been into bmx uh it's just the uh to me before having a more vast knowledge of uh the different kinds of bikes and personally riding um you know dozens of different types of models uh i've always found when i was growing up that a bmx was a, a surefire way to get across town have as much fun as possible um and you know have something that never breaks down uh even though you know you might have accidentally flung it down a flight of stairs or something like that so it's just extremely practical for me um i've you know lived without a car for you know years at a time uh most often i'll go for about like six months uh per every year of you know not 
registering the automobile or uh, insuring it and just keeping it locked in a safe place like a garage. And uh, I've always gotten by like that. And um, so yeah, it's, that's what I've been doing. I've been, you know, using my bike and not preaching to the choir, you know, working at various different jobs and professional careers. And you know, you'd say, you know, he, he does a great job, but why is he so damn weird and he rides a bike? He rode a BMX bike here with a suit. Um, it, uh, and so, you know, I try to tell them that it's, uh, it's a part of my plan and that's the way I want to, to live and they should all ride bikes and they would just, you know, at, at best, uh, at best just allow me to uh you know to to be myself and nowadays i've got people that come and they come to my shop and they come and they want to talk to me or somebody like me uh about you know getting on a bike being on a bike and you know i sell them a bike um and i sell them a bike that i can trust and that has a warranty and that i know i can keep on the road as long as they're willing to stay on the road you know because you you, you can't uh you can't be a uh you know, a serious uh, bicyclist with uh, a mid-70s Peugeot that's just falling apart. Uh, you can't get across town back and forth and, you know, avoid the potholes and the dangers on the streets on a, a bike that's not safe to ride. So what is li- what's it like in the, in the bike shop on a daily basis? Oh, yeah, it's, it's good, you know. Uh, it's definitely uh, a living the dream scenario. Uh, I've worked at, uh, you know, a few other bike shops in, in my life, uh, besides the bike kitchen as well, and, uh, I didn't, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the atmosphere, but, uh, there were, you know, certain things that I, I realized about it when I was, you know, very young that I'd be, uh, you know, wanting to do, if I had a bike shop, I would do it a little bit different. The atmosphere here is cool, um, it's, um, it's actually a really interesting process, Nick, like getting people into the, uh, you know, uh, the, the proper techniques of working retail. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really kind of a servant for the community. You got to let a lot of things. Uh, you got to let a lot of things go, um, and figure out how to treat people with the utmost respect uh, in a, a different sense of like what most people do when they walk down the street and you know when bump you say, into somebody or shake somebody's hand. You know. When you say let a lot of things go, you mean things that irritate. Uh, not necessarily that, uh, you know, it, to, to irritate might not be the exact word I'm looking for, but, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of funny questions that come through, uh, and it, it's actually quite a lot of work here, and, uh, you know, quite a bit of occupational related stress, uh, from a wide variety of, uh, you know, uh, things that go on at, I'm sure, a lot of stores, and in particular, this bike store. So, you know, somebody will, you know, catch somebody, uh, on the telephone and ask them how much, you know, rims cost and they mean wheels or they might even mean how much is a spoke. Um, and I learned it very easily kind of uh, going on and it's, it's an ongoing process. You never quit learning, but, uh, you know, to, uh, kind of listen into what people are asking you for. And Jim was really helpful, uh, nurturing me through the whole process of, uh, of that because I think he had, you know, he, he had quite a bit of, um, not a, a lot of retail experience, but he really had a lot of uh, bike shop experience, and it was uh, he had a certain approach. And you know, uh, we would we would try not to step on each other's style when we're doing our job at the bike shop, but inevitably you learn how you know the other person wants to, things done, and the, the same for them. So, 
Yeah, how did you, how can, do, do you have a reason why you guys got along so well, especially, you know, past, past the point where you're, where you're moving on to other different places? How did you manage to handle that? Oh, man, you know, it's just, uh, it's, um, uh, to, to me, it would be, uh, it, acceptable as an achievement of what the uh the shop's done we've gotten so many people on the road i think we've had you know um a prolific effect for the better so as far as that goes like what we've done at the shop growing the shop making it uh you know something that's uh you know kind of actually known around the world the, the name brand but also because what we did here has you know spawned a, a whole lot of um uh retail and non-profit businesses to follow the same model. Uh, rather, they're shooting for the perceived success that we've had, um, which, you know, we've been successful, but, you know, everything comes at a, a heavy cost. Um, but, you know, you are noticing uh, all around Los Angeles, uh, to start with, uh, a lot of shops that are strategically locating themselves right next to the non-profit. Uh, you've uh, got shops uh, all over the place doing the same thing, integrating some type of a non-profit model into their shop, um, having, you know, some type of uh, uh, workshops or repair areas where people can work on it. I, I went to a, a shop in my hometown, Nashville, and, uh, you know, I just learned that the shop existed, and I stopped in, and, you know, they, they sure as hell knew that uh you know orange 20 was here in los angeles and they had a, a little non-profit thing set up and they knew about the bike kitchen and you know <clears throat> well maybe yeah maybe like like there's there's certain uh companies that have a non-profit and a profit arm and maybe you guys are sort of maybe that's a model that really works and you just sort of stepped into that yeah, it certainly, I mean, it certainly has, and I mean, I would encourage anybody else that's, uh, doing some type of, uh, bicycle retail, you know, operation to, you know, consider how to, you know, uh, get in and cooperate with, uh, the local nonprofits. There's, uh, by the way, I should mention there's a, uh, party tonight, I believe a bicycle kitchen benefit going on across the street from the shop at, uh, the Strange. I'm sorry, I don't know the address, but it's like, I can barely see it from here. It's like four three something on Melrose. It's literally right across the street. That's a um, heliotrope in um, Melrose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, basically right where heliotrope ends in the Melrose. Um, are you aware of that one? Have you given anybody any information about that on the show? Today? Oh yeah, well Molly's calling in right after you. Okay, super great. Um, but yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Um, and you know it's uh it's 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 difficult i think it's difficult for the kitchen to keep doing what they're doing uh to keep their doors open um you know there's uh th- there's always issues and there's uh i, I think we're kind of dealing with the hard time in the uh, uh economy and uh you know there's a there's a whole lot of stuff going on out there that um it, it's a great time to start riding a bike uh People, uh, you know, people are always asking about that, like, you know, with everything, you know, all the bad news, don't you see a lot more people coming in to ride a bike? And it's like, uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't see enough people coming in right now uh, with that exact same thing on their mind. Um, you know, once they, once they do, you know, if we get the chance to sell them a, a bike for four or five hundred dollars, whatever, uh, and they can ride it for the next ten years, uh, and it changes a bit of their life, you know. And, and in some way then we've had, you know, some type of, you know, uh, uh, carbon-relieving imprint on, you know, uh, on that person and the, the city traffic that goes on outside this door that's just, 
you know, uh, we won't get started about the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the frustration with cars and drivers today. But, well, we could do that next week. Yeah. I could just tell you, though, like last week I saw two cars get into a massive pileup that was loud like a tornado. Somebody said they even saw the red car like all the way in the air. And, wow. uh, you know, two out of the three cars that were involved in the accident just peeled out and, you know, started running away. And I think the other was chasing that one. And wow. I think somebody got hit by a car out in front of the shop, uh, out actually in front of the uh, convenience mart across the street. Um, man, that were, it was uh, not a pretty scene. And these so- guys are just steadily whizzing by. Um, just counted 20 cars to... One bicycle, and we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so you're an activist as well as a shop owner? Um, well, yes, I mean, uh, in my own personal life, and, you know, I've, I've made those commitments. Um, you know, we, we support a lot of, uh, you know, grassroots organizations and or um, uh, events in the cycling world. And, you know, to, to me, that is all very important, and I'm seeing this uh, uh this type of thing happening everywhere and you know people uh you know don't necessarily start using LA as a reference but uh, in a lot of cases it's it's they actually do you know so a lot of things that have been happening here are you know uh, setting the norm for places uh, around the world and you know when I look at the positive parts of it um, I'm enthusiastic so cool. well hey um so you're going to keep growing orange 20 what are your plans uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's no plans of, you know, creating a separate franchise. It's, uh, anything like that. Uh, to, to be honest, Nick, we're just going to try to survive this next round of, uh, federal and state taxes, uh, without getting sunk. And, uh, you know, that's not the first time that I've been in this situation. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's stressful and, you know, people see the money coming in, but they, you know, would, uh, it, it's it's hard for me and my accounting staff to fathom where all the money pours out to. But uh, I tell you, I have personally financed a huge chunk of that high-speed train that's supposed to be completed sometime this year. You know, the one that we're all paying an extra 1% in sales tax? Yeah. Like, I voted for that. That hasn't made my life easier. Quite to the contrary. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I was uh, at least seeing some... Some news of that train. Some news of you know that uh, uh, that I'd feel I'd feel okay about it. I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, we we kind of went broke last month, but uh, you know, I think that we might be able to get a uh, one of the train stations on that route named after us. What the hell? <laughs> so, but you are doing okay, right, down there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like any other business, man. Yeah. It's like uh, you know, you got uh, you got people to pay, and you know. Uh, uh, how should I say, wheels to grease or whatever, you know, it takes to, uh, to keep getting by. So, well, um, what, you know, like I said, it's like, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a unbounded success story for me in the fact that, uh, we've gotten so many people on bikes. We've become like an influence in, uh, the trends in, uh, manufacturing and retail and, uh, a nonprofit collaboration. Um, and, you know, that, that effect is, uh, is, widespread and um you know uh, nobody can take that away well great and uh i'm getting a bike from you i'm picking it up today yeah cool and i'm excited about that and if let's say somebody comes in and say i heard about you on bike talk can they get like a free sticker or something yeah or a water bottle or a tube or something their choice cool yeah right, orange20.com right mm-hmm 
All right. Well, um, thanks a lot, TJ. And, Wait, uh, I'm sorry. It's Orange 20 Bikes, my friend. Oh. Yeah, B-I-K-E-S. Okay. Yeah. Great. Orange20bikes.com. Super. Well, thanks for calling Bike Talk. Nick, right. I'll see you later. All right. See you soon. Round and round our pedals go Moving fast, moving slow Up and down the hills we go Hopping, hopping as we go Bye, Tom. Hi, Nick, it's Molly. Hey, Molly, how are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. So, Molly, you are a cook? Yes. At Bike Kitchen. I am a cook um, at the Bicycle Kitchen. And you're calling to tell us something. Yeah, so I was just calling. I know that TJ mentioned it um, when he was talking about, um, when you were talking with him um, just a little bit ago, but we have um, a benefit concert tonight um, that's sort of wrapping up our three-and-a-half-month-long campaign, fundraising campaign for the kitchen. Um, And so we've been trying to advertise it um, as best as we know how, and I think... We've done a pretty good job, but if you haven't heard about it, um, it's tonight. Um, the the doors kind of open at 9 p.m., mm-hmm. and we've got three different um, groups that are going to be coming up, um, starting with the cooling time, which will play at 9.30, and then we have a group called the Notch Project, and then finally kind of the, the dancing will begin um, with Very Be Careful at probably around 11.30 or so. And, and Very Be Careful has a big following, I think. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they they can convince any any individual that they should be dancing. So, yeah, um, yeah so that will be really that will be really really fun. Um, so we've got the three uh, you know live acts, um, and then we also have a couple other things that are actually more exciting. Almost, um, we've sort of done this silent auction. We're going to do a silent auction, and, and the the big ticket item is a bare knuckles frame that's been built up um it's like a green track bike and that uh that auction we started online kind of um through the midnight riders and la fixed and craigslist um advertising and that bidding is up to about 600 right now Hmm. um the frame itself uh is is worth 700 so the the bike as it's built now is probably worth at least one grand so um yeah so that bidding has started but we also have a lot of other items from around the community um and actually beyond kind of our little local community we have we got a donation from a store called free city in malibu um but you know a lot of our local where where does silent auction take place so the silent auction um will take place at the event um starts at nine you know the the bidding starts at nine and then we're going to wrap everything up about uh, eleven thirty. um and how does the sign of auction work so the sil- paddles uh, or something no no so the, the 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 reason it's called a silent auction is because there's no shouting 
Um, there's no holding up the items. We'll have a table sort of dedicated to the things we have. I mean, it's a pretty wide array of things. We have donations from uh, restaurants, um, from scoops. Uh, we have from Orange 20, actually, and Echo Park Cycles. We've gotten donations. And, and again, you know, they sort of vary by what the donations are from Echo Park Cycles. I believe we have um, some rims that we're going to auction off. Um, oh. We have two pairs of nice sunglasses uh, that were donated by our new neighbors um, right next to the kitchen. Uh, all sorts of stuff. So a lot of exciting, a lot of exciting, you know, things going on. And we're going to auction off those throughout the night, and we'll probably talk about them a little bit, kind of in between the acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And then we'll, we're also we're, we're going to be selling nachos again. We have a, a mm-hmm. bike themed vending machine, um, which we brought out at the last barbecue. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. T-shirts and, and sweatshirts and patches. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff kind of going on, and uh, the address, the exact address. I was just going to say. Uh, 4316 Melrose. Okay. It's um, right in the same, you know, in the same vicinity as, as the kitchen. Right. Um, oh, it's not at the kitchen. No, it's not at the kitchen. We're hoping, we're, we're, we're expecting more people than could probably fit in the kitchen. Yeah, with, I was going to ask you that. How do you fit all those people in your, in your space? But, yeah, I know. So, so the the event itself is that an a, 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 I guess a concert kind of gathering venue called uh, the Strange, which is on Melrose, right, right around the corner from from the Bicycle Kitchen. And uh, the to, to enter, we've got a sliding scale of eight to twenty dollars. Um, so we're hoping that you know every, everyone can, everyone will be able to come and sort of pay what what they can. Sounds good. Um, so, and this is the culmination of your of your fundraising. But your fundraising is supposed to be for five years, isn't it? Oh no, it's celebrating five years. Sorry. Yeah. So the the kind of the fundraising effort is basically it's a big birthday party. Our, our logo has been you know a, okay. a birthday cake, um, riding a bicycle with some ice cream, and yeah, I mean the the idea behind, and I think TJ sort of spoke to this. The idea behind the fundraising campaign itself is that this is kind of a, a harder economic time, um, but it's also a really exciting time for the kitchen. We've got a lot of exciting projects coming up. Um, we're serving more clients than ever. Uh, we're getting more people on bicycles than ever. Um, we, we're, you know, getting more volunteers, people who want to become cooks at the kitchen. And so it's a really exciting time. So this is sort of a big celebration. Um, and as sort of the... Grupo leader for the fundraising campaign. It's, it's been an exhausting three and a half months, and I'm really, really, really excited about this event. I think that this is we really put everything we had into it, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. How much have you raised? So far, we're we're hovering right around twenty four thousand um, dollars, maybe a little closer to twenty five thousand. Mm-hmm. So this is again, you know, also because it's a fundraising campaign. Obviously, we're we, you know, we've been asking people for donations, and um, we've learned a lot about how to go about a fundraiser. This was the first time that the kitchen had ever done something like this. So, um, yeah, we're, you know, we're we're real. We're really excited. This is a, like it's a huge accomplishment for us, and we're yeah. we're really excited about the kind of the big blowout party at the end. And 
I hope that all of all of the Bike Talk LA listeners can stop by at least for a little while because it's going to be cool. Yeah. Things well, will be happening all night. Well, I'm going to stop by, and um, for for the uh, but for the podcast listeners, uh, it'll be too late. But they can always come to the Bike Kitchen and yeah. put together a bike. Yes, yes, and, they can always come to the Bike Kitchen. Um, we have a lot of updated information on the blog right now, um, and I'm not sure how long. Right now, kind of the the website splash page is, is dedicated to the fundraiser, so I'm not sure how long that will stay up, but if you ever, you know, if anyone ever wants to donate, it's it's a fairly easy process. So we're, we're always accepting donations, and not just monetary. We also accept donations of people's time and um, always bike parts, bike frames, unused bike. So. Okay. And you've been doing it for five years. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, it's sort of a, uh, how do you say, uh, yeah, we've, we've been around for longer than five years. We're five years at this current location, mm-hmm. but somehow it was it was catchier to do a, a five years at the location instead of seven years. Right. Little, so we put seven fives together. <laughs> okay. that, was our, that, was, that was our uh, original fundraising goal. 55555 mm-hmm. And we had a lot of people who, do, who ended their donations. You know, they'd give $15.55. So we, we definitely took care of the $0.55 cent part. Well, it's very, it's very numerological. Oh. <laughs> we try to make things as complicated as possible. Well, and so you're going to take over uh, some shows when uh, in July and August here. You guys are going to actually host some like a, some bike talks. Yeah, yeah, and that's another exciting thing. We sort of, I've sort of been talking to people all over LA and all over the kind of the cycling community. I think there's a lot of interest of people who are really interested in, in you know, cool. seeing how 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 long we can talk about bike and bike related things. <laughs> um, but so far, we've you know we've done a couple and we haven't run out of things to say. So I, yeah, you guys are, have a lot. I think it's easier than we thought. I think it might be infinite. <laughs> I kind of think so too. I always have questions about the mechanics of things, mm-hmm. um, so that could go on probably forever. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Molly. Anything else you want to say? Um, just everyone should keep riding bikes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot. I'll see you tonight. All right. Sounds good. Talk okay. to you later. All right. Later. Reflecting her bicycle And the reeds whisper her name And the wheels go round But the bikers stop moving Trees on the river move by Hey little girl Bicycle dressed in white, the trees wearing green, sparkling, cycling bicycle that moves through the trees like a dream. Then the wheels go round and the trees stop moving. Suddenly she's gone 
she comes in a suit and tie, shepherd's bush and a leopard's pie. She's marching to the funky beat of James Brown and his dancing feet. I'm gonna set your fish on fire, it's the whipping of desire. So please do not resist your fate, I'll pick you up, yes it's a day. How could I forget to mention the bicycle is a good invention? Sitting there in a silent movie beside the only girl who really ever knew me. Happy days but sad facing. Heaven knows I'm on the case. Oh, how could I forget to mention the bicycle? Somebody told the world the beauty of your birth. A lot of nerve in a lyrical case Be sure to write it in your book I promise not to look I wanna smell your sunny face A funny place but it's never a waste I'd hop this fence to make amends I hope this movie never ends How could I forget to mention The bicycle is a good invention Make it up, making you my business A funny buttercup, gotta live a forgiveness Everything's both side of facing Heaven knows I'm on the case So how could I forget to mention the bicycle Somebody told the world The beauty of your So this is Glenn Bailey of the LABAC, the chair of the LABC. And um, what's going on this morning, Glenn? Well, it's actually been a busy uh, past couple weeks, um, and I'm sure you may have talked about some of that in the, in the during that time period. But we had a, our June bicycle advisory committee um, was mostly about the. A situation with the um, critical mass ride on Hollywood Boulevard and the police right. um, activity there, and so we had um, over 50 cyclists attend the meeting. Wow! 
and uh, we had uh, folks from the Los Angeles Police Department, some who we've worked with, and then a number of others who are with the local division as well as um, the Internal Affairs Office that's uh, looking into the um, incidents that occurred, the reports, and uh, they were there to take any additional reports. And um, so, um, and then we had a uh, surprise visit from the chief of police himself, Charlie Beck, who um, assured everyone there that that the department was taking this very seriously, would follow up. Um, He did say that these sorts of investigations take some time and to to be patient, doesn't happen overnight, Mm -hmm. but... um, I think it was uh, it was not our, our, our it wasn't as our agenda had been set from from Friday, but you know this happened Friday night, and so we we quickly adapted and and accommodated that because we were meeting the following Tuesday. So can you tell um, us the story of the ride and the incident as as you see it? Well, I was not on the ride, right. so I'm just going by you know the reports from various sources. Um, so if there's any others who, any others who are listening who uh, you know were on the ride and want to call in, I certainly think that would be good for them to do that. But there were, of those 50-some people in attendance at the meeting, there were a number of people, because I asked, that, that were present on the ride, and that's obviously why they were there at the meeting. Um, this seemed to have happened at the towards the end of the meeting, based, I mean the end of the ride, based on the fact that there were police cars uh, um, in the in the background. Um, and so, uh, you know, there appeared to be reports of, um, uh, per- police, um, well, first of all, this is the, the BP ride, uh, protesting, I mean, the, the ride to protest the BP oil spill, the oil spill. Right, also right. also the critical right. mass ride, and they, they were doing, um, the police were, I guess, pulling them over for... That we're trying to stop them from running through a red light, something like that. Um, again, the police wouldn't really report on the details because they're investigating it. But that was the uh, report that some some of the again, it seemed to be at the end of the ride. First of all, it's after they already went to the to the BP uh, gas station where they kind of did their little protest. They were coming back through Hollywood and they were uh, on Hollywood Boulevard at Highland. Um, so I, I, you know, I. I, I, the the reports were that there was um, uh, more force than um, than was justified in terms of it just running a red light as far as some of the actions and I, I'm not going to repeat them but um, those who were there um, uh, you know felt that 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 was inappropriate to be taking cyclists down to be uh, allegedly putting batons through wheels to you know that sort of thing. So they'll look into those things. There was uh, this course hit the hit the blogs, hit the internet because uh, there was someone videotaping for around ninety second videotape, and that person was um, knocked down. And uh, you can hear on that videotape, and that's on the internet. People want to watch, listen to that. But again, mm-hmm. that's from that that particular person's perspective of the filming. But you can hear voices saying, you know. You know, get up, get down, two different officers, and you see the officers standing above there. Um, we also had some testimony from a couple of um, women cyclists 
who were on an adjacent uh, street, on Selma, I believe it was, who were off away from the main pack of cyclists um, and experienced, uh, reported that there was uh, police vehicles that pulled around and, and uh, pulled in front of the group um, on the side street. And by pull in front, I mean, you know, perpendicular, the car blocking the, the, the path of travel. And... Um, Proceeded to grab, I guess, the first cyclist that was in the group. So, uh, you know, the, the, the women who were towards the, the back of this smaller group, uh, turned around and, and left at that point in time. So that's another, uh, another report that came out at the meeting. So it, the, the bottom line is that any of the reports that, uh, any cyclists, um, who feel was inappropriate behavior were, uh, encouraged to make the reports with, um, for the internal affairs uh, reporting investigation, and um, and there was uh, the media reports that I believe is the five officers that were um, named or not named by name, but the five officers uh, involved in the instance were were relieved of uh, being out in the field until until the investigation concludes. So, um, you know, the the dialogue uh, was. Partly about the, the specifics of the incident on that particular night, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of folks who said, you know, this is something that they have experienced over a period of time in other locations and other divisions and other officers, and they are concerned that uh, that we get to the bottom of it and that people would feel feel uh, that the police are actually protecting and serving cyclists as well and not attacking them, and that that they're there. That they, that's their job, and that people will feel safe. And that was certainly a message made by, especially um, a lot of the women who were there, and also there were a number of younger riders, like teenagers, mm-hmm. who um, you know really, you know, they really. It was moving to me that they they were expressing you know fear of seeing a policeman because they don't know how they're going to be treated as a cyclist. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I think that's that's uh, something that seems to be um, something that needs to we need further work and we have been working with the police department ever since the uh, chief Beck um, was named and and went through his um, you know being you know being confirmed shortly thereafter we've been working with a bicycle police task force uh, group of representative group of us have been meeting every month with them to deal with the issues in terms of education and enforcement training for uh, for the police and dealing with these issues that just when incidents like this occur and especially when they're um, well publicized then it sort of focuses in the, the cycling community that we haven't solved all the problems yet so um, the, you know the goal is that we that we um, reduce eliminate these sorts of reports I, it's hard when you've got a police force of nearly 10,000 officers, uh, it only takes one to, um, you know, go over the over the line. But uh, you know, our goal is to. Our, I think our goal is that cyclists need the police to keep the streets safe for us to be able to ride. I and mean, we have problems with bicycling, a big jump in bicycles being stolen, assaults on bicyclists, and we need the police to help us recover stolen bicycles. We need the police to go after those who are assaulting cyclists. 
whether they're in a motor vehicle or or just you know on not in a motor vehicle but those are the sorts of crimes against cyclists um, that that you know we really need their help on and we and we want to be able to have a relationship at, you know organized as well as individual cyclists that we'd feel comfortable knowing that the police would be respectful and do their job and and keeping keeping uh, us safe as well well how did we get uh, a police chief chief back who seems to be focused on Cycle, treating cyclists better, or at least he's having meetings and he's having uh, press conferences. How did how did this become something that he felt that he needed to talk about? Well, I think that he he I you know I don't know that I can fully answer that except to say that this started early on when he was first named. He went to some some meetings to to be uh, introduced to the community. He went throughout the city. And there were cyclists at, at a number of these meetings, and I think he was overall sympathetic. Um, I don't know his personal cycling uh, history, um, as far as you know how often he cycles and you know and that sort of thing. But I think uh, you know when he was first introduced before they even went before city council for confirmation, he made commitments to help improve con- uh, relations between cyclists and the police department, public commitments. And, you know, he has kept his word, you know, by developing this, um, this ongoing, uh, connection from, you know, folks within operations, uh, you know, at the, at the commander level. And, uh, and, you know, I think that, uh, speaks well of him for keeping his word. And, um, there have been action, there have been, pro- there has been progress. There's been training video, online training for officers that um, thousands of officers have uh, taken during the past month or so. And the goal is, I think, for all officers to do that. And that's basically to know the, the cyclists, uh, uh, the laws that affect cyclists, that we have the right to the road, um, you know, so that they better understand that, you know, cyclists, uh, you know, are entitled to the road under and under what conditions and that we're not, uh, you know, we're not to be told to go on the sidewalks and, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, there's you can't do a lot in a, sh- a relatively short, uh, you know, training video, but you know, it covers some of the major points that some some within a ten thousand member organization may not totally understand, and that's you know the first step. The ten thousand police out there. Yeah. So, yeah. what can average cyclists do to to help out uh, to help out the effort to to make police more aware of what's going on well first of all the average cyclist does need to become aware of the law themselves they do need to ride with traffic and not against traffic and um, they need to know that uh, there are times when they may be on the sidewalk but they also need to realize that there are, it's statistically more dangerous being on the sidewalk with driveway uh, entrances and exits and so they do need to be more cautious there um, they also need to know because if they do know the laws, um, then they'll know when the police is the police are not enforcing the laws properly. And if that's the case, then they need to uh, contact the um, division, the watch commander at the division, and if necessary, the captain at the division. Um, and I think that they should also, uh, you know, share that information so that we we can keep track of it, share it with any of the bicycle activist groups. Um, 
and if they're seriously wronged, uh, there there is a a process within the police department that complaints a formal process that complaints can be filed. So they just need to be aware of their rights. They need to exercise them if if the situation calls for that. And um, you know, even those individual folks that are actively involved may be aware of certain situations were not everywhere throughout the whole city so we do rely on cyclists to you know give us reports um because most of what people are experiencing is when they're out there riding not on group rides but as individuals mm-hmm. or you know or a couple, one or two people it's not it's not all it, the individual group rides may be uh, you know just once a month or you know, uh, but but we have cyclists out. You know, tens of thousands of cyclists, if not hundreds of thousands of cyclists, out there every day, twenty four seven. So um, there's a. We do need to um, keep, you know, collectively keep our eyes and ears open. And if there's something that's not right, and that's not just about the police department. That's about, you know, fixing potholes and and dangerous conditions in our streets. Um, that that's you know there's there's a whole there's a whole wide range of things that we're the eyes and ears that we need to act to make things better for cycling. Okay, well, good. That's a very responsible viewpoint, and I would expect you to to have that uh, that viewpoint as the chair of the LABC, um, being responsible, looking out for the whole cycling community. We're going to have uh, some people who were involved in the in the ride um, in the incident next week, hopefully trying to get in touch great and um, anything else you want to say um, I, I do want to yes I, if I may uh, changing the subject okay. to um, to the city of Los Angeles um, bicycle master plan the latest update on that and a lot of the listeners may be aware that this has been in the works for a year and a half two years with a series of drafts and workshops and that sort of thing um, as of right now, today, um, I, I've been told that the revised draft will be released um, electronically and post on the website um, by within the next week. So uh, poss- possibly this coming week or by the end of the week. Now that date has slipped over the last few months. But that's the latest update to, to possibly expect that it could come out within the next week or so. Um, and that by the end of June that they would be hard copies at the regional libraries in the city. Yeah. That'll start a process where people will then be able to see the revised draft, which hopefully um, incorporated public comments or, or at least considered them. But anyway, my, my point is, is that, um, for those of you, for those that have attended the workshops or get get email updates from some of the, either for myself or other bicycle uh, advocacy groups, is to keep an eye on that because this is the key time to review, make comments. Um, there will be some public hearings, um, formal public hearings in September, uh, where the city planning department and the department and the city. Uh, Department of Transportation would be getting those comments on the plan. But before that, those formal hearings in September, 
we're going to figure out a way that we can um, involve the bicycling community um, in 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 a input process, maybe less formally. And by that, I mean, um, you know, possibly with some maybe the bicycle advisory committee may have in a uh, its own meeting. It's not a formal hearing, but its own type of meeting where folks can make comments, and we can forward those on to the planning department as well. Um, okay. So that's. That is something that it will determine the future um, of of cycling in Los Angeles. Of course, the other the other side of the coin is implementation, because you can have the world's best plan and not get implemented, and that means, you know, so so what? You know, so we have to get a good plan, and we have to implement it. So this is this will be the first step: get a good plan. And so it'll appear in a week at LA. Mass, what is the LA Bike Plan? The website. Uh, yes, dot, dot org okay. um, is the official one through the for the city. Um, but again, folks, um, if they haven't signed up already, they should probably sign up to get the email or just watch for that announcement. And where do you sign up? Um, uh, I believe that the, I, at, at that website they can sign up. Okay. Um, if they want to email me, I can give my email as well. What's your email? It's uh, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, Bailey, B as in boy, A-I-L-E-Y, and then S-F-V for uh, S as in San Fernando Valley, S-F-V, at yahoo.com. So G-L-E-N-N-B-A-I-L-E-Y, S-F-V at yahoo.com. And they can just put bicycle plan in the in the subject line and... I'll make sure they're added to, to my list of notifications. As soon as I get the notification from planning department, I'll, I'll forward it on to, to folks. Okay. And uh-huh. that'll, that'll start that process, and people will start, uh, you know, analyzing it and tearing it apart and, you know, making comments, uh, both um, good and, and as well as negative, and uh, make suggestions for improvement. And, you know, I have no inside information, so I mean, I don't, I don't get a heads up on this, so I have no idea what's going to be in it. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, we'll just—I'm just like everyone else. I'm going to so wait. It'll be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Well, well, thanks for uh, thanks for all the work you're doing, and um, you don't, are, is it, are you paid? No, you're not no. paid. Wow, you're no. doing a lot for not being paid. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I always put the put the call out for, you know, other people to help out. You know, there's 19 members uh, on the Bicycle Advisory Committee, one for each city council, per, each city uh, council district uh, has, has a seat, plus four from the mayor's office. But um, we, um, there are other ways for people to be involved with with the other, uh, you know, not just attending the BAC meetings, but they certainly folks can attend city council committee meetings. Um, something and then when things go to full, full city council, the planning commission, I mean, people can, there's a lot of things that people can do that'll make a difference, um, and get involved. And certainly there's a lot of bicycle advocacy groups out there, um, that I know you've had on your show that, uh, you know, folks can be involved with as well. So, um, but, each, each, but anyway, each of the, each of the appointees, um, to the BAC are cyclists. Um, it's up to each council member and the mayor. And they they'll appoint them, and we serve on a voluntary basis. And um, people do people do what they can, and um, you know the more people doing stuff will help us get more get make LA a, a, a better 
Bicycle City faster. When and where are your meetings? Uh, the meetings are, the full BAC meets the first Tuesday of even-numbered months, so we just had our June meeting, and so the next one will be in August, first Tuesday of August. So we meet at 7 p.m., and we meet at the um, Hollywood uh, City Hall, um, which is near Wilton and um, uh, it's just south of Sunset. Okay. Well, I'm sure and, I can look, we can look that up. Yeah. yeah. And again, anyone who um, anyone who wants to get notified of that, you know, they can email and we can get them on that list too. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Thanks very much, Glenn. Um, Bicycle Kitchen's having a fundraiser concert tonight if you want to come. Uh, okay. Silent auction. Okay. Uh, any anything else? We good? Uh, I think those are okay. those are our our two big things right now. Um, so there are there are lots. Of, there's a lot going on, as you know. So, yeah. but uh, those are the two big things. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I appreciate it too. And uh, well, thanks very much, and have a great okay. uh, great day. Okay, you too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that was it for Bike Talk for today, June 12th, 2010. My name is Nick. The contact is livebiketalk at gmail.com. If you're listening, you're probably listening to KPFK's podcast, kpfk.org. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye,